What's going on, Spooky fans? This is your chillin' host, Ruben. And I'm Quinn. And welcome to another episode of Spooky Husband Mystery Hour. This week, we actually take you back in time to a special movie from 1965. Quinn, this was your pick this week, right? Yes. And it, what movie this was it? is Day of the Triffids. Okay. Um, I want to thank, shout out to my dad because oh, okay. this is one of the first horror movies that we watched together. Really? Yes. Um, it was like this, Pumpkinhead, and Warlock. <laughs> were the first like three horror movies that stick in my head. Okay, so you picked these three movies, and that's like such a wide time frame from like horror movies, 1965 to 1988. Yeah, you've met my dad. True that. You understand. Yeah, 100%. So with this movie, I actually have a really awesome heart for old movies like this too. Um, like I said, it was made in 1965. It was in color too, so it wasn't a black and white movie. Which is awesome. But a lot of these movies are just really interesting and cool to watch. Just because to see like how far some of the uh, cinematography has come. And the special from back effects. There, and the special effects and how they did everything. I thought it was awesome. My favorite thing about this movie. Oh, I always think it's awesome. <laughs> is the screams. 60s horror oh movie screams are true. the best. Right? Like, how do they have those vocals for that? How do you scream for that long and that loud? Right. Oh, yeah. Full those on those decibels were, like, high. Like, that was just amazing. And the accent, it's not quite transatlantic anymore, but mm -hmm. it's in that realm. And I find that the most calming thing ever. Really? Yes. Huh. Okay. I sleep to mystery, radio mysteries, uh -huh. almost nightly, guys. It's just... Yeah, okay. It's something about the... Oh, you see here? Yeah. That kind of <laughs> accent is so calming to me. That's <laughs> so weird. But really quick, where did we watch this on? We watched it on Amazon Prime. Ooh, okay, cool. It's streaming for free. Very nice, very nice. Do you know if it's on any other streaming networks? This was the only one I found it on. Oh, okay, cool. I thought we might have to go on YouTube and watch it in the corner while the background <laughs> zoomed past us and we just had to squint the whole time. I don't know if we could have done that with this movie. This movie, like I said, since it was an older movie, it was shot with widescreen. It was a, a very weird square in the middle of the screen, yeah. even through Amazon. It was very yeah. strangely done. Definitely. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about the movie? Yes. Sure, let's go for it. This movie stars Howard Keel as Bill Mason, Nicole Maury as Christine Durant, Jeanette Scott as Karen Goodwin. Okay. Do you recognize any of those names? I do not know. Okay. We will get to that, one of those names, later on in the movie, and you're going to go, oh. Oh, okay. I get it. Ooh, I like surprises. I love surprises. Me too. So our movie, uh, there's. I want you to kind of think something right now, listeners and Ruben. What horror movies have you? can you think of that were set in London? Set in London. Ooh, uh, 30, um, no, 28 Days Later. Yes. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Got it. I need you to think about right, that. Holding it in the back of my head. Okay. I think I know where you're going with that one. So this movie starts with a voiceover telling us about Venus flytraps and how they are carnivorous plants and they lure flies in with honey and a sweet smell. And it introduces us to this new plant called a triffid that was introduced to our planet during a meteor shower some years ago. See, now that's just plain creepy in itself already. Yeah. I'm sorry, like outer space plant? I've seen Creep Show. Right? Meteor shit. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen King. That's awesome. The meteor shower in question is our big is it catharsis? Is that what it is? Our our 
I mean, it's our focal point for the movie. Focal point. Yeah. It is what starts the whole shebang. Exactly. We see a bunch of kind of world monuments, world cities with the flashing lights over them. I love the effect they did. It was almost like Super Friends. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. The... Yeah, okay. So Whenever it was like scenes, right? Yes. Yeah. So these bright flashes are flashing over, and it shows the Royal Botanic Gardens, which I have to tell you, one of my bucket list places, because I think it's so cool looking. Nice, okay. It's that big glass thing. It was actually in Peaky Blinders. I didn't, I don't know. That yeah, they visit it in Peaky Blinders. Oh, okay. But we see a, a security guard walk in, and he does his little rounds, and he flashes over some trivids, and they're like, hey, girl. And they kind of wiggle at him, but he's like, oh, plants, plants yeah. move. That's legit. That seems like a thing that happens. Exactly. There's wind in this greenhouse, sure. Exactly. He wanders off to do his rounds. My knees hurt listening to him walk because he walked so heavy-footed. <laughs> it sounded like he had cinder blocks tied to his damn shoes. <laughs> clunk, 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 clunk. I mean, if he was trying to sneak from anybody, especially a killer plant, he was not going to do it. I don't know if that was maybe him actually, or maybe just the uh, way they they filmed the audio. The foley artist. I don't know. It could have been the foley artist watched this and was like, "I'm gonna fuck with this guy. <laughs> I'm gonna make everybody think he walks around like a hippo." <laughs> okay, keep going. Sidebars. We go to a hospital and we see the star of our film, Mister Bill Mason. Uh, we learn he's from a ship, and he's had some kind of procedure where he's had to have his eyes wrapped for 10 days. And he asks the doctor, hey, can you take this off? I know you're going to take it off in the morning, but can you do it now? Because this meteor shower sounds legit, and I would love to see it. The doctor tells him, nope, you got to wait until 8 in the morning. We'll take your blinders off. And then Bill lights up a cigarette. The 60s. You can do that. The 60s where you could light up a cigarette literally anywhere. Of course. Gas station, while you're pregnant, while you're pregnant at the gas station, light it up. It's fine. Yeah. It's menthol. It's healthier than an apple. Exactly. You're good. And he asks the nurse, he says, hey, nurse, is it true what they say? Are you as pretty? Are you the prettiest nurse ever? And she goes, oh, Dr. Mason, you can see me in the morning. (laughs) Eight o'clock. (laughs) <laughs> that hurt my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Bill says, okay, I'm, I'll go to bed. I'll wait for 8 o'clock in the morning to get my eye bandages off. And we move to what I have pinned in my notes as the lighthouse of tension, tension, tension. The lighthouse of tension? The lighthouse of tension. See, okay, now I thought they were kind of more, well, not more of the main people, but a good... Oh, no, I guess, yeah, secondary main people. They were the secondary, they were, so here's a fun fact. All of these scenes in the lighthouse were added after the film had already been made. Really? Yes, because the original filming, after edits and everything, was only 57 minutes. Oh, wow, so yeah, they, they needed to add more stuff. Yes, they added Jeanette Scott and Kieran, Kiernan Smith, the guy who played her husband, uh, the Goodwins, Karen. Oh. Karen and Tom Goodwin, excuse me, I had a hiccup burp. Um, they added them in to flesh out the movie a little bit more. Oh, okay. 
So I was gonna say I didn't know actually know their names until like the end of the movie when I saw the credits and I was like, oh okay, Karen and Tom. Yeah, I I that's why I put subtitles on for some things because sometimes it tells you who's saying things. Yes. Okay. No, I do the same thing too. <laughs> well, this movie is really bad. The only character we get introduced to by name is, is Mason. Mason. Mason, and we still don't even know get to know his first name till about what three quarters of the way of the movie. Almost the end of the movie. Yeah. And same thing with the girl, which we'll get to. We'll get to, we'll, her. We'll get to her in a few moments, folks. So Tom Goodwin is a prick. He's an alcoholic and they're working in this lighthouse, him and his wife. And he's like, I'm tired of studying damn stingrays. Where's my liquor? He's a marine biologist, right? Yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure because I thought they said that, but they, again, they only said, they only say some stuff like once or twice. And if you're not paying attention, you're not going to catch yeah, it. Yeah. They're like, this is what's happening. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Take this information and run. And he likes his liquor. We find out. That his wife says, the reason we're out here is because you drink too much, bro. And he screams. He just talks very loud. I was like, why are you shouting? And we flash back again because they can hear the the meteors. And she says, I want to go look. Yeah, I want to go outside and go see everything. And he's, and like, he's like, it's propaganda for smoking. Yeah, he said it's, it's probably advertisers for smoking. Okay, jerk face. We go back to the botanical gardens and we spend a good 10 minutes uh, watching this triffid grow, kind of, and crawl after the security guard while he eats his lunch. Yeah. It was almost painful to watch. <laughs> Why was it painful to watch? Because I get it. It's a plant. Yes. I understand. Yeah. Plants don't typically move. But this whole exposition of, I'm going to eat my hard-boiled egg and listen to the radio while I hear creaking behind me for a solid 10 minutes. He even turned off the radio and like turned around, but again, the plant stopped moving. Which, if you remember in the movie, we'll cover over in a few moments, again, of why... I just got it. You, you just thought of it, right? I just thought of it. See? Yeah, you have to watch the full movie, uh, Spooky Fans. You should have watched the full thing. This is the part where I noted, oh... Uh, we did need that 10 minutes of the thing crawling because the lighthouse scenes had to be injected into the movie to <laughs> straighten it out. Now, Ruben, this yes. next scene. Yes. Did it ring any bells when you were watching this scene? Wait, really quick. What happened to the security guard? Oh, the security guard gets eaten by a trivet. I'm sorry. <gasps> he turns yeah, green. It injects him. It like shoots an arrow at him. Yeah, it, it shot like him. a dart. It made me think of Jumanji. Yes, like a sleeper dart. And then yeah. it, Kind of... Like, wrapped him up and, like, ate him. Yeah. It, like, curls him up like a spider web. Oh, that's always creepy. I thought it was cool that they turned green when they were poisoned. That's what I thought, too. I, I thought, thought that was empty. pretty neat. I thought that... I was like, okay. So, I skipped our first death, but uh, our body count is now one. That's On right. camera, death is one. And I was like, poor security guard. Poor security guard that took forever to die. Mr. Mason wakes up in the hospital. And he takes off his bandages... And he has to blink, and you're thinking, ah, oh, crap, he can't see. This procedure was a failure. Mm -hmm. And he blinks, and he can finally see. And he looks around, and he doesn't see anything. And he comes back to his room, and he hears a scream. Mm -hmm. So he wanders around the hospital. and the Someone I know who screamed. Right? They didn't really they, cover they that. They didn't really cover that. I think it was the doctor. Maybe the you doctor so? had a very lady like scream. Maybe. I don't know. The Mason walks down to... I'm assuming the foyer, like the entryway to the hospital, and the doctor walks up and grabs him. And I'm thinking, he's possessed by plants. What the hell's happening? Okay, yeah, I thought that too. Like the plants kind of took over, yeah. like a parasite kind of thing on the, on the brain. The happening style. 
Yeah. Nature is taking over. Turns out, much like in uh, Night of the Comet that we will cover, the meteors had effects on people. Anyone who saw the meteor shower is now blind as a bat. Yep, all the lights burn their retinas, so... Detached their ocular nerves. Now, this is <laughs> where um, I wanted to pick up on that, what we talked about earlier, we're 28 days later. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is the exact scene. Exact scene. The guy scene. wakes up from a procedure, the whole place is destroyed in, that, in uh, 28 days later, and he's the only one alive, and yet we come to, like, an apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. And what did he find when he left the hospital? You know, I've never seen that movie. Okay, we'll cover that then. <laughs> we have to cover that, <laughs> and that will come back into this. I mean, but I'm, I'm guessing a doctor. No, no, no. no, or, no, no. or he was in London, and I mean, I've seen, I remember, like, small parts of that movie, but I, but yeah, I've never actually seen 28 Days Later. We'll get there. Okay. We'll, we'll get to, to we'll get to that trope. Okay. So the doctor says, hey, Mr. Mason, um, can you take me to my office? Help me out here. And he walks to Mr. Mason, or Bill, through an eye exam, trying to, the doctor's trying to get him to check his eyes. The doctor says, well, I'm blind as shit. Can you go get this package out of my office? And, you know, he doesn't really explain it. He just says, can you go yeah, get this? go get this black bag out of my office. It's somewhere around here. It's supplies. Yeah. Well, Bill walks into the doctor's office and we hear shattering glass and the doctor has unalived himself. Yep. He threw himself out of a window, which, okay, I don't understand. That, that was one of the questions that as, as soon as that happened, I wrote that down because I was wondering, okay, if you're a doctor, this happened. Is there no other procedure or something you can do? Maybe you can walk him through a way to, Some to sort of surgery? fix your eyes or, or something. I mean, you're still a doctor. You you have a lot of knowledge that could still help a lot of people. I also think maybe he stumbled. Okay, I was thinking that too. Maybe he was trying to get up or something and like tripped and fell out the window. It's happened to me. It <laughs> happens to everyone. <laughs> you, felt, you tripped over a branch and fell down a path. It, it happens. <laughs> it I have never fallen through a window, but I have fallen <laughs> several times. That's so true. Mr. Mason has left the hospital. He's like, well, doctor's dead. I'm going to go see what's going on in London. And panic on the streets of London. Yeah. Like the song says. What song? I don't know. I just know that's from a song. It's from a movie, and it's in there. And are you I know sure? That. Yes. Okay, we're going to have to make sure your sources are credibleized. We're going to flag this, and we'll come back and do a voiceover. There we go. <laughs> Whatever. That's me tagging it. So he goes to the train depot, and people realize, oh, this dude can see. Can you make a phone call for me? Are you a taxi? Can you take me somewhere? And everybody kind of crowds around him, and he's like, there's no taxis, guys. Uh, phones are dead. No phones. Everything's gone. Sorry, guys. You're stuck being blind. Yep. We see the platform, and this train is running. And you're like, oh, cool, a train. Everybody's going to be fine. Except everyone's blind. Yeah, everyone's blind, and the train just rails into the station. Explosion. Bodies flying everywhere. There's panic. Panic at the depot. No, you need to stop with these bad puns. These are just bad. I will not. <laughs> These people are pouring out of the train. People are screaming. There's smoke. There's a man holding a teddy bear. It's a lot. We see this little girl kind of peek out, and she can see. Because she's kind of avoiding people. And this man walks up to her and is like, oh, you can see? You're mine now. 
and he grabs her to like make him make her lead him somewhere I'm guessing and Bill sees everything going on and walks over and he's like oh hey sir and <laughs> tries to get the, the blind guy to punch him and he just dips and grabs the girl and walks off yep just real calm just takes yeah and just takes her around and he's like yeah no don't worry I'll save you they run out of the station and we find out that her name is Susan mm-hmm. and she is an orphan and she ran away from her boarding school and stowed away in this train. She didn't even have a ticket. No, she's, she hid in the luggage bags. Yeah, in the yeah. luggage bags. And she, her and Bill are like, well, we're you and me, kid. He says, I've got a boat. We'll go to the boat and see what's going on. Trying to kind of figure out what's, what's happening. Because we don't know if this is just specifically in London or all of those cities that we saw at the beginning. Yeah. Well, as they're walking, they walk from, like, walk through a little park, I guess? Yeah, I would say, like, a park or, like, a foyer kind of thing. Yeah, like you a little, know, they, they a little had, green had a bunch space. a bunch of benches, a uh, water fountain, yeah. everything. So, yeah, I would, I would call it a little park. And we see some plants and stuff, and a dog runs into the bushes barking. And we find out at this point that Triffids will attack dogs. Yes, because, because we also hear that, that emergency broadcast. We haven't gotten to the emergency broadcast yet. No, but there was another one at the beginning, right whenever he found them, and they were going and one of the radios was still on. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, it was saying to, if you're blind, to stay where you're at, and then if you're not blind, be cautious because there's plants that can uproot themselves and kill you. Yes, I yeah. forgot about that. I meant to write it down because they also say don't smoke because it'll cause fires. And I remember yeah, thinking and in they my were head, like, oh my god, don't. these people. Yeah, try not to smoke, try not to move, because you can cause yourself injury or even start a a fire that can pretty much kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So they find a car, and they're leaving London. Yeah, no, you're right. They left London, and then the car comes through like this really hazy yeah they kind of go through place. one of those traditional london fogs mm-hmm. and they get stuck in a traffic jam uh they get kind of stuck behind this crash and susan says oh i'll go i'll help we'll get this rock she goes in off into the woods to gather rocks yeah because the car actually sunk yeah in, into the, in the sand mud. yeah into the sand or mud or whatever it is so the back wheels were just spinning they needed friction and this is where out. we learn Susan had developed a bad habit from here on out of going off and doing things on her own sometimes. Oh, she no, does I didn't it think she like did. three times in this movie. Yeah, but it was never anything bad. Nothing bad, but it was. Because there's a lot of other kids in horror movies that they're like, I'm going to go do my own thing. And then they just ruin it for everything. True that. You know? But she does wander off a lot and it makes me uncomfortable. Well, that's just you then. Everything makes me uncomfortable. We know. This Triffid that she sees. In the woods, I thought was the size of a damn sequoia <laughs> compared to her because it, the way it crawls towards her, it looks freaking huge. Yeah, I did. She runs back to the car, somehow gets the rocks underneath there, and they start trying to get the car out as it approaches and spits poison on the back of the car. Yeah, like blue or green, like poison thing. Also, I do have to say, whenever we actually got a little bit close up, a closer look up. Of the plant itself, my brain just went straight to Seymour. Yes, <laughs> like that's all I could think about when I saw the, the plant. Seymour, exactly. That's the only <laughs> thing I could think of from Little Shop of Horrors. I was like, oh my gosh, and that's probably where that came from. Maybe I don't know. Maybe this movie. 
Because I really feel like this movie was like basis for a lot of other horror movies. The original Little Shop of Horrors, I think, came out around this time or earlier. So they could have inspired each other. Because this was based off of a book. Very big possibility. So We'll have to do some research on that, too. Also, I want to say, because we, we did this in another episode, a gay uncle tip from us. Um, if you're stuck in the mud in a car, go forward and reverse. That's the easiest way to get your car unstuck, is you have to rock it out of the hole that you've created. You know this, Ruben. I do know this, but I don't know. You make it sound like it's so simple when it's not. It's have not you done simple. That? Yes, I have. Okay. But it's it's just a helpful tip. Okay. Helpful tip from us to you with love. Okay. <laughs> so Mason and Susan uh, finally reach his boat, which I hear, oh, it's a boat. I'm thinking it's a little big boat, but this is a full ship. Yeah, no, he says he's a naval captain. Naval captain. Okay. Because yeah. see, it, it never, to me, like... It was never really explained, but it might not have caught the subtleties. They didn't go into a lot of detail about it, but when he was at the hospital, when she said, oh, you get to go back to your boat, you can uh, go back to your ship, Captain. There you go. So that's all I was like, oh, okay. He's a Navy man. Yeah. When they get onto the boat, the radio is on, and they can hear foreign language, is what the subtitle said. Uh, We find out that it's French, and Susan actually speaks a little French. From her boarding school that she learned. Yes. And she learns and tells Bill uh, they're stopping services there in Paris. And there's nobody that can see anything. They're just kind of shutting it all down. They also get a distress signal from a ship called the SS Midland that was 400 miles from New York. Everybody on board is blind. And the captain is like... Guys, we if you can see, come up to the, the bridge and we'll figure this out as we go. Mm-hmm. They get another one from Japan and it doesn't really translate what it says, but everything is on fire. So we're learning that this is everywhere. This is global. not just the UK. This exactly. is global. Then we get a airplane comes on. Oh, uh, and this one I thought was sad. I was this like, one was this really sucks. sad. Flight 365 from Cape Town. Filled with everybody on board is blind. And the the captain is trying to keep everyone calm. And he tells them, hey, we're going to come in from landing. Tell everybody we're just going to come in for landing. Put their seatbelts on. We see them check the gauge. They're out of fuel almost. And everybody goes to put their seatbelts on. And this flight attendant is going through checking everybody. And she gets to this little boy and says, oh, put your seatbelts on. And he says, is the captain blind too? And everybody on board loses their shit. Yeah. Because they're all blind and they realize, oh, if we're blind, the captain's captain's blind. blind. And it cuts to the plane flying over the ship and you can hear it and it crashes and explodes right by Bill's ship. I mean, right there. Literally just how convenient that it happened right there. Bill and Susan get on a little, I would call it a tender, just a tiny little boat at yeah. this point, um, and leave. They don't say where they're going, but they're out. Mm-hmm. And we go back to the soap opera that is The Lighthouse of Tension. The Lighthouse of Tension. <laughs> with, these, with the good ones. So, Karen? Karen, Karen yeah. Her Karen, Karen says, hey, Tom, there's a triffid right outside. There are plants. She doesn't call it a triffid. There's a plant right outside by the cove, kind of worried about it. It says, okay, we'll take care of it. He goes downstairs and gets like a harpoon, 
<laughs> giant freaking harpoon. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I was like, okay, way to be uh, innovative. Genius idea. Take use what you have. See, always take a weapon. Always take a weapon and double yep. tap. Okay, double tap. So they go outside, and the trivet is gone. The trivet that she has seen is gone, and they made a mistake in this in this section. Uh, not the directors, the people themselves as as humans. They made a mistake in this scene. Okay. Did you pick up on it? He stabbed the seaweed. Well, he stabbed the seaweed, but they left the freaking door open. <laughs> Never leave the door open in a horror movie. That's how the monsters get in. <laughs> okay. We've been over this. Okay, that's true. I'll, I'll give you that one. So they go back into the lighthouse. The, the door's left open. And what's inside? A giant man-eating plant. And this part, I have to say, I got really hot because I got to see Jeanette Scott fight a Triffid that shoots poison and kills. Jeanette Scott? Yes. Okay. She's the one that plays Karen. Well, yes, I know, but I was going to say, she didn't really fight or anything. She she screamed. Yes, she screamed, but that's also a line from Rocky Horror Picture Show, so that's why I had to say it. I had to include it in here. That's what I was telling you. I was like, did any of these names make sense to you? Because oh. Jeanette Scott is, she's in the line from... Science fiction double feature. Okay. You don't remember that line? No. In, in the... Okay. Skipping that. So they left the door open and I wrote in big letters, You left the damn door open. And then she screams. And that lovely 60s horror movie scream that I love so much. This like piercing 10 minute long scream that she does. And they fight this triffid. Uh, Bill manage or Tom, Tom manages to kill it by chopping off the head. I guess yeah, like where its sensors are. It looks yeah. like, and they kind of chop it up. They win. They beat it. Um, we they have a radio and they get the notification that Paris is going off air there as well. Susan and Bill have apparently crossed the English Channel. And their little tinder and are in Paris. And it's jacked up too. Yeah, it's just destroyed. Destroyed. They're driving down the road. They find another car. And it starts storming. And through the smoke or the, the steam and the, the storm, they see a lady and a young woman standing in the middle of the, in the, middle of the road. road. And they stop. And the lady says, oh, Mr. Coker. And he says, no, Bill Mason. Who are you? And she says her name. You can see. Yeah, you can see. We can all see, all four of us. What is happening? And we find out that her name is Christine Durant. Miss mm -hmm. Durant, as Ms. they Durant. call her throughout the, the movie. Yep. And she says, oh, I'm from this this house. And Miss uh, Coker runs it. Um, she was here getting treatment. She was sedated. And they've rescued 40 people. Uh, people that weren't sedated went blind, but the people that were sedated and were asleep can now see. Can now see. So they make this kind of setup that they can take care of each other. And we are introduced to a blind girl that, that was there. Uh, she lives upstairs, and she's going to be bed neighbors with Susan. And her name is Bettina. Oh, Bettina. Such a I sweet like baby Bettina. angel. She tells uh, Susan, oh, since I can't see anymore, I can sense things. All my other senses have been heightened. And she tells Susan, oh, you have curly blonde hair and brown eyes. 
And Susan's like, yeah, I totally do. Yep, Susan, yeah. And Susan actively has blue eyes and long brown hair. Yep, straight, long, long. Straight, straight, long, brown hair. brown hair. God, that's a tongue twister. Long brown hair, straight, long brown hair. Yeah, that is a tongue twister. Yeah, I told you. They make make friends, and Bill meets with Miss Durant and says, hey, I want to go to Spain. Paris is done. London's done. There's a military base in Spain, but Cadiz, I would like to go there. And she tells him, let's shelf that. Let's, what am I going to do with these 40 blind folks that I've got in my house right now? Mm-hmm. And this cuts back to this injection of putting this lighthouse back into Those, the movie. The lighthouse scenes. And Tom has cut up the Trifid and they're studying it. They're trying to find out a weakness, trying to find out if it can be killed. Yeah. They tried acid. They've tried a bunch of other things that nothing seems to be working. Nothing is working for it. They decide, okay, well, she, Karen decides, Tom, you need to go to bed. You're stressing out. Go to bed. Go sleep. I can't. I'm working, Karen. Uh, I'm working. I'm, I'm brusque. Well, they go upstairs, and he's trying to sleep, and she tells him, you need to go to sleep. I know you can't add your liquor. Just go to sleep. Yeah. And he finally falls asleep, and as she's standing there, we get a cut down to downstairs to their little lab, and the triffid they've cut up has started to crawl. And put itself back together. And put itself back together and has crawled out yep. of the room. And she looks downstairs and sees that their whole thing, their whole lab is just destroyed. Because it jacked it up. So she lets out this horrible scream. Which, you weren't in danger. You were not in danger. That scream was unwarranted. There was a whole floor and a half between you and the Triffid. Why? And there was still a floor above them. And a floor above them to escape to. To escape. To escape. Exactly. And this just kind of gives us a little more insight into how the Triffids behave and how they work. And the Triffid just says, I'm out. Deuces. Crawls off. The We now see it's the next morning back at the chateau. And Bill and Mr. Coker have gone to fetch supplies. And while they're loading them up into the car, they see a giant triffid kind of... Walking through the middle. Yeah, Yeah, walking past them. Well, they follow it to a crater in the ground. And they see a bunch of little baby... Triffids. Little baby triffids. They look like the worms from Little Mermaid, almost. Oh, okay. I see that. Yeah, the... The The souls that she trapped. Oh, okay, those ones. I was thinking like sea snakes kind of thing. Sea snakes too. And sh- they notice that there's this stuff floating in there like dandelion fluff. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Coker says, oh, this must be how they propagate. This must be how they're spreading. And Bill says, oh, we need to get back to the house ASAP. Because if they grow that fast, they'll be taken over by... By nightfall. nightfall. Yeah, we're going to be done. So they're walking back to the car and a plane flies over again and it crashes. Well, they go out to investigate and they're surrounded. Mr. Coker and Bill get surrounded by Triffids. As they're running, Coker trips, twists his ankle. ankle. Horror movie tropes. I swear. Bill has to carry him. And as they're running past a Triffid, it poison darts Mr. Coker. (sighs) And he doesn't realize it until he gets back to the house when he looks down and Mr. Coker is turned green in his hands. Yeah. Was, they never I show just, his face. No, they, they just didn't. They just showed his hands. It was so sad. I was like, aww. It was actually the saddest death in the movie, to be oh, honest was, with you. Yeah. I was like, Mr. Coker, why? 
they get back to, he gets back to the bill, gets back to the house and he sees a new car out front, like this black van. I thought it was a trailer at first. I mean, I, I thought, I honestly thought it was a paddy wagon. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. He hears music playing inside and Ruben, was it a paddy wagon? It really was. All of the people that were there that were inside of the house were convicts. Yeah. The convicts have escaped from, I guess, a local jail mm-hmm. and have herded all of the women into... Uh, the foyer. Yeah, into the foyer, into the little ballroom, and are just making them dance with them. And they said, if you who try to escape, we'll kill everybody. Susan is hiding, and she gets Bill before he walks in. And as he's talking to her, one of the guys comes out with Bettina. And he's trying to carry her upstairs. Which, by the way, good for Bettina, because she fought him off pretty well for her being blind. She straight up killed this man. Yeah. Threw him down the stairs and everything. Snapped his neck. Go, Bettina. Good for you. Bill realizes, well, I can go in there and I can save somebody at least. Mm -hmm. And he goes in and he sees Miss Christine. And he goes up to her and he pushes the other guy out of the way. And he pretends to be a convict. And he dances her out of the room. And he tells her, go to the car. Get in the car. Susan's in there. We'll be out in a second. And as he's leaving, they realize one of the convicts realizes, oh, you're, you're not, not one of us. us. And he just <laughs> sucker punches him, knocks him out. They run out to the car. When they get to the car, they're surrounded by, by all those, triffids yep, again. All those triffids from the crater, I bet you. Mm-hmm. All of mm-hmm. them blossomed, I guess. Yeah. And Susan can't get the door open. Which I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. Because Bill breaks the window, reaches in, and unlocks it with a quickness. Yeah. Just super, super easy. easy. Just, oh, we're done. As they're trying to get into the car, we see Bettina is escaping from the house, and she gets eaten yeah. by triffids. She walks right into the giant group of them. And, Poor uh, blind Bettina. Poor blind Bettina. She, she tried so hard to stay alive. She did. She, she should have, honestly. And she was blind. That's yeah. her. Well, she should have lived, yeah. to be quite honest with you. The Triffids overrun the chateau, and Bill, Christine, and Susan barely get out of there. They get to, I'm guessing Spain, because it doesn't really say where they are, but I'm assuming they've just driven, you know, because I think that's how it works. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Geography-wise, I didn't study geography for this. And they go to this town that has like a carnival. I thought they were at the military base at the beginning. And I was like, why is there a Ferris wheel at a military base? What the hell what? is going on here? <laughs> why would you think that? They, the, were, they went to like a small town that, was, that had a carnival. Yes. I figured that out. <laughs> well, Susan says, oh, Bill, may I please go and check out the carnival? And Bill says, yeah, don't go too far. Go do weird shit alone in a horror movie. You were so weird about that. Like, you wouldn't let your your kid, like, okay, your kid obviously is old enough. Hey, can I go check that out? Yeah, go ahead. No. Giant killer plants that can shoot poison darts at you. You're staying in the car. (laughs) You're staying in the car. Whatever. You stay in the car. (laughs) You would probably forget them in the car. Probably. That's, yeah. So I'd be freaking out. Yeah, hardcore. Well, while she's exploring, we see Christine and Bill. Love is in the air. (laughs) They're talking over a bar, getting tea and little snacks so they can eat. And he tells her, oh, I've never been married or whatever. And she says, oh, and look at you. Now you're just saddled with a family. And he says, oh, it's not that bad. 
I guess it has its good good points. Saucy menaces. <laughs> oh, and on this part, what did the what did Susan do? Oh, Susan did good while wandering off alone. Oh, did she now? Kind did of. She? What do you mean, kind of? Because we'll see. It could have been a bad thing. It could have gone horribly. They find a. She did a good job. They find a carnival car that makes noise, and she activates it and scares Bill, and he runs out there, and she's like, "Look what I found," and. <laughs> They they get this truck and drive off. She Susan freaks out because they did come in on a horse-drawn cart. And she says, the poor horse is blind and there's nobody to take care of him. And Christine has to tell her, sorry, it's just, he's not doing it to hurt you. But we have to be safe. And the horse, we'll put it in a pasture, it'll be fine. Yeah. They drive up the mountains and they come across a rope with, like, cloth tied to it? Yeah. Just uh, kind of like a white a, flag. Yes, like white flags tied along it. Well, they stop the car and they follow the rope up to this villa. And I thought I wrote down the names of the people that lived in the villa. I don't even remember. But I don't no, think they gave uh, the names. Yes. They did. Well, the, they gave the wife's name. Her name was Teresa. Yes. I don't remember the guys. I want to say it was Luis, but I feel like I'm projecting. Maybe. That or Raul. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, spooky fans. They, we'll get back to that. This one, movie was I guess. really bad about giving you the names. We didn't find out Susan's name until she almost got eaten by a triffid, and Bill screamed her name. I didn't name. even think Susan's name until she found the the uh, the car yeah. right now at the at the fair. Yeah, they called. I was like, oh yeah, her name's Susan. Okay. Yeah. They did a really poor job of naming these people. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of dialogue in this movie. A lot of it was more just intense theatrical music. Yes, like, theatrical music and action and, and driving in cars. Exactly. <laughs> Very Birds-esque. Mm-hmm. So they get to this villa and the guy is like, oh, hey, you guys can see. That's kind of awesome. And his wife comes down the stairs and Christine makes the kind of off- Handed, not in a mean way, but like an offhanded comment like, oh, wow, you guys adjusted to being blind really well. And the husband says, oh, well, she's been blind Teresa's been blind ever. forever, and she's teaching me how to walk around. And they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because I was actually going to ask that, too. Where are all the other like blind people? Because they can't just all have just gone blind. There had to have been some people that were already used to it and been like, okay, guys, this is how we function. Yeah, this is, we Don't can freak help out you. too bad. Like, you're going to freak out, but at least... We know what to do. Listen to us. This is our life. Yeah, exactly. But I think I think if I suddenly went blind, I would panic. I'm not going to lie. I mean, so would I. But I, I think, again, it's got to be one of those things you got to just take a step back and breathe, calm down, try to figure out. Because, again, you're going to hurt yourself or hurt some other people if, if you just try to start overreacting about everything. Or you start sure. going through everything. And you're smiling because that's what you do. I know fully well that if I went blind just right now in this moment, the rest of this recording would be me screaming like Karen in this movie. It would just be me screaming for the entirety of the recording <laughs> because I'm freaking blind. <laughs> just sudden blindness. Well, they tell Bill, uh, the, Teresa and her husband tell them, oh, could you guys help? I'm expecting a kid soon. And we also have a radio. If you can help us fix it, that would be cool. Bill says, oh, yeah, I'm a first mate. I got this. I'll fix it. And they pick up a, a, a frequency. frequency. A, yeah, that they're survivors still, and they're getting picked up at the bay. They um, evacuated Cadiz, yeah. but they're coming out of Alcantar. Exactly. Um, so the last... The last... Uh, submarine. Submarine leaving will be the next day, which will be Saturday in the morning. 
So they decide, okay, we're going to hang out here until tomorrow we'll go. We'll get rescued. Well, the radio also says don't travel at night at all. Yeah, the Triffids are more active at night for some reason. It'll be very dangerous. Bill and Susan go outside, and we see Bill's kind of messing with the fence. And it took me until after this scene to figure out what was going on. Really? Okay, because I, I kind of thought about that right when he was doing it. And I was like, oh, he's going to do it. He's made an electric fence. Which was so cool. That was awesome. Because they need to be protected at night, you know? Exactly. So him and Susan make it. They test it. It works. And they go in, and they, they kind of hang out. Well, we see that uh, Teresa has given birth. To a little boy, he's healthy, and everybody's safe. And we hear noises outside. And I looked at the trivia for this, and it's not true. But somebody started a rumor that the way they got the sound for the Triffids is by sparking a bong. <laughs> somebody started a rumor. Because they said it's this burbly, like, gurgling sound. Uh-huh. Somebody made a rumor that it was, they made it by smoking a bong. And that's how they got the sound for the Triffids. Uh, okay. So that... <laughs> Yeah. That sound they make. Uh-huh. We hear that. And the villa is surrounded. Absolutely surrounded by the Triffids. And Bill says, all right, I got something for them. Yeah. Let's turn on this electric fence and see what happens. And it works until it overloads the circuits and it stops working. And Bill, oh, Bill, lovely, lovely Bill, gets a fuel truck and creates a giant flamethrower. Flamethrower. That was awesome. I'm not going to lie. I loved it. It was incredible. And Christine is just sitting in the truck like, that's my man. (laughs) That's my man. Yeah, she's just there. And and literally, she she could have just opened the front door and just been smoking a cigarette and it would have been... I mean, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, she would have just been like, okay, whatever. This This, is every day. This is Tuesday. It's fine. This is the norm. Yeah. That's my husband, Bill. He sets (laughs) things on fire. That's fine. (laughs) He realizes that the generator... Is attracting them. Well, no, not him. Susan. Susan does. Sorry. And he says, Susan, go cut it off. They run and cut it off. And the Triffids just kind of stop making noise and just chill out. Like, hey, what? Okay, we're, I forgot we're what we were now. doing. Yeah. yeah. What are we doing? What's going on? What's happening? And Bill's like, oh, brain blast. And he realizes they have this circus truck still. He runs to the circus truck and he's like, okay, let me take a look at this. We're good. And he gets everybody loaded up into... Um, the family's car and he tells Karen he's like you're driving as soon as I get out of here you go you go to Alcantar yeah holla ask just go and she's like what about you well I'll meet you there don't worry about me so he gets in the car or the the truck turns on the speakers and it's like this soft guitar music and he drives away like the Pied Piper of Hamlin as Susan said yep and he runs he drives away and all these triffids just I just following wobble behind him. He comes around a corner and sees, oh crap, there's a bunch of them in front of me. And Bill, being badass Bill, opens the door, tucks and rolls, and just sprints off. Like he doesn't even do a full roll. He like does a half roll and he's half roll and he's already on his feet and just he's like gone. It's just hauling ass. So we see uh, at the harbor now, everybody's made it. Except we don't know where Bill is because he's just escaped the Triffids. Mm-hmm. And they're telling him, oh, they're telling Karen. or They're telling Miss Durand that, Mr. Rand. Mr. Rand, we have to leave. We can't stay any longer. We have five minutes. And she's like, okay, fine, let, let's go. And they tell her, don't worry, there's still going to be more life rafts searching. that are searching for people along the coast that didn't make it. 
And Bill, standing at the shore, sees one of those life rafts and he screams for it. This dive that he does into the water looked hella dangerous. I thought he was going to snap his neck. <laughs> he di- he dove correctly? He dove correctly, but he was so close to the rocks. Okay, now that I did see, I was like, dang, he almost like stabbed himself with those rocks. Bill, we get it. You set Triffids on fire and you tuck and roll out of cars. Take neck safety more seriously, please. <laughs> Don't dive headfirst into dark water with rocks in it. <laughs> he gets rescued. We see them paddling away. And now we go back to... The Tower of Despair, right? The, light, the Lighthouse of Tension. Dis- the Lighthouse you of Tension. You are ruining my soap opera. You are ruining my stories. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to do the hands and you have to say, Lighthouse of Horror. Okay. Or Lighthouse of Tension. See? You did it yourself. You ruined it for me. That was all you there. We are now at the Lighthouse of Tension. There you go. They need some Tension Tamer Tea. They are at, I actually wrote, they're in the lighthouse again. And of course, Tom is being Tom and being all me, 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 me. Karen deserves better. We all know it. He keeps yelling at her to get away from the window. She's like, I'm watching to make sure these monsters don't come in here and kill me, bro. Well, the the Triffids break into the lighthouse and they run to the very top floor. Did you see the sign? This sign was like huge foreshadowing when we first see the lighthouse. There's a sign above the fire uh, system that says salt water, corrosive, do not use for anything but fighting fires. I did see that, yes. And this is where we figure out um, they're followed up the stairs by the Triffids and Tom turns around and is like, I got an axe. And instead of chopping at them he just kind of throws it down the stairs i can kind of understand why okay so i i I get that the axe isn't super super long so you have to get close to the triffids that have very long vines or tentacles i guess if you want to call them that that that, you know one good swoop and you're going to be caught up and you're going to die so i mean i guess i guess that's why he threw it at them to maybe try to hit one of them and knock them down the stairs and maybe a distraction yeah to keep them from coming exactly he then grabs the fire hose, and turns it on, and we realize, oh, seawater's real corrosive to triffids. See, I didn't even think about it that way first. I was just like, okay, turn the water on and use the water pressure and kind of like, you know, water pressure them off the driveway. Yeah, I did, I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, wait, it's corrosive. I wonder. And then he starts spraying them, and they start dissolving into this green, thick mist, which was awesome looking. Yeah, it looked like the Wicked Witch whenever she uh, yes. she died from the water. And he follows them down the stairs and they turn into this sludge, which grossed me out walking, watching him walk through it. Because you could tell he wasn't wearing socks. And I was like, oh. I think he was. I think they were just really white socks. But I don't know. I was just thinking of the texture of Triffid goo in my shoes being really gross. And they rush and they, they spray all of the Triffids out. And they go out and they see the sunrise coming and they embrace. And then a voiceover comes on and they say something simple that was in front of all of us. The earth is covered by 80... Two-thirds water. Two-thirds water. And we, we've we rescued... Salt water that's helped give life has been our savior to help life continue to prosper and grow for the future. Yes. Mankind will survive. And we see Bill... And Mr. Ant and Susan walking up to a church. Um, they've been rescued and reunited. And the world is safe from the Triffids. Yep. 
And that's how the movie ends. I liked that ending. I thought, you know, okay, the movie wasn't bad at all. I don't think the movie was bad. Like I said, there wasn't a lot of dialogue, so it was a lot more intensive music and just instrumental music because it's one of those ones where you're watching the actions and not the... You're not there for the dialogue. You're not there for the dialogue. You're not there for the story. But the actions and everything still told the story really well, I felt like. And honestly, I would be kind of interested to see this movie remade to nower times. I think it would be pretty neat. I would love that, and I think somebody remade it as a miniseries. Really? I saw on IMDb that there was a miniseries, but I didn't look too much into it. I would love to actually yeah, see it. Yeah, we may have to look into that, because that, like I said, this one wasn't bad. And this was a really neat take on like a whole apocalyptic feel kind of thing. Again, what's going to happen if everybody in the world goes blind? Yes. How How's everyone going to survive? This was really interesting. Speaking of horror movies and how it tied into 28 Days Later... Killian Murphy in 28 Days Later leaves the hospital and finds a girl. Oh. A teenage girl abandoned and rescues her. And then they go to a big house. And it goes from there. Oh, really? It's very. It was actually a big influence for oh. 28 Days Later. Oh, see then. See, now that's just awesome. I think that's really interesting to see some of the older movies and how it... Where you can see a lot of the similarities for it from the New Age movies all the way back then. Yeah. You know? I like that a lot. Yeah. On our rating system, what would you say? I'm giving this one five. Five really? shots of Kip Counselors. I'm not going to lie. Okay, this one, like I said, I'm a very big fan of, of old horror movies like this or anything. I still give this one only two chopped up counselors. It wasn't bad. It's definitely a movie if you're a fan of those older style ones for you to go watch. If you're like, no, Ruben, I really want to see like the blood and gore and see people True. get chopped up. This definitely isn't the movie for you. This one was, a, like I said, it was a good storytelling movie. Like... Oh, if we were listening to it on the radio, I could probably have pictured the whole movie without actually watching it. It would be really good. Yeah. I think like it, War of the Worlds kind of thing. I think a tip here to see if you would like this movie. If you like Irwin Allen disaster movies, you will like this movie. If you like Towering Inferno, Earthquake, Poseidon Adventure, I feel like this is more in your realm of like... Really? Volcano? Did I say Volcano? No. Towering Inferno, Earthquake. Earthquake, sorry. Adventure. Not Volcano, Earthquake. Yeah, Earthquake. Oh, they were all Irwin okay. Allen movies oh, okay, from the yeah. 70s. Oh, yeah. I can remember Earthquake. But they're very, this is very, it, it kind of walks the border, I think, between disaster and horror movie. I think so, too. And I think that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, okay. I can see that then. So, mm -hmm. I'm I'm good if you're good. Yeah. Because we I'm don't have too. any news other no, than. I don't uh, have any other news. Oh, actually, thank you, pe people that have been reviewing. We've actually gotten some reviews. Uh, we really, really appreciate those reviews and helping us get out there. Um, and we try to share posts like two or three times a week. So if you see those, if you could share them. Yeah, most definitely. Let us let your friends know that we're here. Yeah. Because friends care about friends. Friends care about friends. And they share their podcasts. And they share their podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but we are on all uh, streaming services to our knowledge. And if we're not on one that you see or anything, drop us a line. Uh, let us know on Facebook. Uh, we're also getting our Instagram started up soon. I don't know about that. We'll get back to you, spooky fans. Yeah, we're working on, on, on the social medias. Yeah, we're working on that. But we are on Facebook. Yes. Or send us an email at spookyhourpod spooky at gmail.com. Gmail Sorry, as you guys can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, grab your popcorn, grab your drinks, and join us again next week for another episode. I get to pick the movie next week, right? Yeah. Yes. It's your pick. I have no idea what I'm going with. But it's okay. <laughs> it's totally fine. I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. <laughs> you better. <laughs> All right, spooky fans. Now, again, this is your chilling host, Ruben. And this is Quinn. Stay spooky. spooky.